1: Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Welcome to New Books Network. I'm your host, Schneer Zalman Newfield. In his book, Black Masculinity and Hip-Hop Music, Black Gay Men Who Rap, Published by Pelgrave Macmillan in 2019, Shin Ling Li offers an interdisciplinary study of hip-hop music written and performed by rappers who are black gay men. Shin Ling Li received his PhD in sociology from the University of Cambridge, United Kingdom. I'm so glad his new book has brought him to our program. Welcome. Thank you so to get started um could you please tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to write this work
0: okay uh (laughs) i was um born raised in china but then i left uh i left china when i was i think in my late teens and i moved to south africa i was there about eight or nine years um i finished my undergraduate there my master's there you know um and then um, I moved to the UK for my PhD. Um, and that's the time I decided to, to embark on this, this um, journey and you know f- um, finish this project. But before um, I once obviously when I, when I was applying for my PhD and um, was thinking about you know uh, doing something about uh, music and sexuality because my master thesis then was uh, focused on sexuality. And also I was a trained classical musician. Um, so I started exploring, you know, the, the topics, looking at l- existing literature um, and especially genres. And obviously the classical music is the most sort of researched. And then the next was uh, rock and roll, you know, pop, uh, pop music. A lot of things, gender, sexuality, they've explored all these themes and, um, and the issues related to these things in those music genres and in terms of history. And also, um, you know, just the, the social impact. In general, Um, the only sort of like one genre that's left of unresearched and also um, um, like almost untouched is hip hop. Obviously, there were a lot of um, feminist critique of the genre, um, especially with regards to its misogyny and also, uh, you know, its urban origin. You know, certainly people wrote about the history and origin of hip hop and how it's it's like a it's a, a industrial uh, product you know you don't compose uh hip-hop music per se you assemble the sounds of the urban the urban city you know, that's how it started with the sampler and uh how people sort of argued in the streets you know black and called it dozens the kind of verbal practice to resolve uh conflicts and then sort of merge that with with music with beats initially and then they put on you know if you look at uh, how hip hop started as a, as a sort of like a, a almost like a competition, you know, in the in the uh, in the Bronx, where they would you know hire uh, like MCs, they would they would put put all these sort of gang groups in together and ask them to to have a rap battle. That's how the jungle started. So that was it was very interesting, but still, you know, the 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 sexuality part was lacking, but. Rap, there was actually a lot of um, content in rap music, uh, either implicitly or explicitly talking about um, sexuality, and also especially homosexuality. You know, I was wondering were there any any gay rappers. You know, because if you look at rock and roll, if you look at R and B, there has been, you know, slowly but there has been sort of slowly the coming out of these musicians, and also the famous ones like Elton John like um and george michael you know um so and also how um sort of popular artists like madonna beyonce they sort of adopted um elements of queer culture to to you know i mean in a way profit from these culture but also sort of expose um queer culture to the mass audience but hip-hop is this sort of this this one anyway. So that's where I started, and I wasn't familiar with hip hop music before. But this this was uh, like a life changing journey <laughs> for me. Um, yeah,
1: right. And so um, your your book really focuses on the attitudes and expressions and relationship between hip hop and homosexuality. And so, just to give listeners a little bit of a, a framework here, historically, what was the attitude of hip hop music to gay people? Did they figure in the music, and if so, how were they represented?
0: Well, there wasn't any representation. Um, I, I would say, like, a, like sort of open to the public until um, perhaps Lil Nas X, which who's fairly recent um like very recent, if I say it. um before you know, there were rumors about certain rappers being gay, but it was never confirmed and also it wasn't particularly in- for, uh, like important to the to the hip-hop scene and um but hip-hop wasn't you know there were different arguments uh about whether hip-hop as a genre as a culture was was inherently inherently uh, homophobic you yeah. know I wouldn't say it's inherently phobic, homophobic, even uh, particularly given the fact that it was influenced, partly influenced by the disco culture as well. The disco culture was very sort of uh, inclusive, and um, gay people back in the 80s and 70s enjoyed disco culture. But the content of gay, uh, rap music like itself, is very masculine, if not hyper masculine, And oftentimes people don't associate masculinity with homosexuality. You know the stereotype goes. You know, if you if you're gay, if you, especially male gay person, then you are likely feminine. You know, gesticulating, um, so sort of camp, sissy, and you, you, you know, and and how even in rap lyrics they sort of implicitly or explicitly downgrade a uh, uh, gay man to sort of like a woman. That kind of um, attitudes, um, but but the words itself, for instance, like uh, the use you know, the F word, like fag, a lot in um, early hip-hop songs. But that's more like a, use the words as an insult to address someone who they think is stupid or unmanly or sort of um, lack masculinity. It's not necessarily an insult to people who are gay entirely. It's almost like a banter. You know they use that because i use an example in my book is that Eminem before he became famous um when he was rapping in these underground uh, uh clubs in detroit he used uh you know the n-word and F word continuously and uh, a lot but when he became famous um he stopped using the n-word because you know he's white but he's continued to use the f-word you know in few of his songs um but that's like almost like a habit. You know, he defended himself. He's saying that you know, uh, it's just a habit. I'm not trying to insult anyone. The the most I would say is to to refer to someone who is not masculine, a man who is not masculine. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you you talk about in the book the distinction between uh, using uh, um, uh, a kind of. Um, A derogatory term uh, um, against homosexuals, uh, using it uh, to critique or to criticize someone's gender performance, like how they present themselves, how, as you say, kind of masculine or sissy, if they seem very strong or very effeminate, rather than critiquing their sexual orientation. In other words, who they're actually sexually attracted to or who they have sex with. And you make that you 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 point that out as a as a really important distinction.
0: Yeah, because a lot of times, and I think people conflate um, gender with with sexuality, um, <clears throat> and that's I think also media sort of contribute to that conflation. Because if you look at you know the successful um, gay male represent- gay male representations in the media, like RuPaul's Black Race, which I also mentioned in the book, um, so the overwhelming understanding for the public for the general audience, especially for straight people, is that gay men are not feminine. But historically, if you look at, um, you know, the ancient Greece, uh, China and Japan, you know, medieval Japan, medieval China, homosexuality had very little to do with gender. You know, it's not, people don't recognize gay people through gender, but uh, but somehow now we do. You know, I'm working, actually working on my second book and which answers that question, why now we do, you know? um all but, right but to answer your question yeah that's that's the uh, i think people need to make that distinction because um because a lot of uh, the, the the rappers i interviewed to talk about how they cannot find anyone they can relate to in in the in the you know in the mass media and um there's a lack of representation mm-hmm. um and if you even look at movies look at series now even though even though you know queer culture is very much accepted by mainstream media mm-hmm. by hollywood but the representation, the people um, who, who you know embody these these representations, they don't. They actually, have, like I would say, they represent a small minority of, of gay men in general. <clears throat> the, the
1: the In other words, you're saying that even in the mass media we are today, there, one may find many representations of gay of gay men. Those gay men tend to be represented as effeminate men, and who are who are um, as you say they gesticulate a lot. Their 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 voice is is uh, uh, maybe high pitched, right? That those are quote unquote the gay men who are represented and one might even say embraced by modern audiences of mass media. But you're saying that another kind of gay man, a, a more masculine gay man. That, you, you don't see a lot of uh, popular representation even today in general in the media.
0: Yeah, because you don't, you don't see, like we still um, couldn't see like an out, you know, NBA player, an out NFL player. Because, you know, the, these people, they came out after they, they, um, they got retired and they would talk about how there were, you know, a significant amount of uh, uh, gay players in these leagues, in these, you know, top notch world, top notch uh, sports leagues. But we don't hear stories. About, you know, I think the the one guy came out, but he was then dropped. He was dropped by one of the NFL teams, Michael Sam. You know, it's basically giving you a signal that you can't really come out in a so-called, uh, you know, a, a, a straight man's profession. You know, that that disturbance. macho, a macho,
1: that, a yeah. macho
0: straight yeah. man's profession. Exactly, <laughs> like a macho, exactly. You, know, you can't really because that's that's the ultimate disruption and ultimate disturbance to both the sport itself well as they say but if, if, even though it doesn't really do anything to the sport you know if you're good at the sport do it regardless of your sexual orientation i mean you can even be uh, uh you know because people think oh if you feel feminine you can't play basketball that's not true you can be feminine and still play very really good basketball. you know that's <laughs> the, the sport itself has nothing to do with how you present yourself really you know <laughs>
1: Uh, It it seems to disrupt the symbolically, the symbolic representation of who would be a good basketball player or a good football player or a good martial artist or something. Someone who's a a sport that's uh, perceived, again, as being very macho, very um, uh, tough guy kind of thing, uh, uh, to, to have someone who's openly gay and still playing that sport, it would it would challenge this basic stereotype or, 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 or symbol of the men who play those yeah, sports. because
0: because now people would, would be asking a question like, "So, what is what is a straight man?" <laughs> like, it, that's the thing is that you, you can have your your comfortable sort of gay professions, but the rest of them, you know, you have to leave them to real men, especially especially hardcore macho sports. Uh, right. Right, but the
1: listeners, the listeners can't see, but uh, you're you're making air quotes when you say "real men" and 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 things like that. You're saying that this is the way that 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 these men are commonly represented in the mainstream culture.
0: Yeah. So one of the, I think one of the uh, 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 issues that all these rappers are interviewed for the book, they really address that because they are very they are very masculine. You know, they're very. They even tell me stories about how um, when they. These are,
1: sorry, these are gay, openly gay men who rap, and we're going to get to, to them and their contribution in a little while. But but sure, continue.
0: Yeah, so I'm just saying that they they really because initially I think uh, uh, Deep De- uh, Deep De- Collective when they first came out in um, Oakland, so, uh, in Oakland, California, that that's one of the. Uh, sort of mission is to bring out all these ma- ma- sort of masculine gay men, you know, because they love hip-hop music, they understand hip-hop music, that's their, that's their thing, you know, They it's, 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 it's the culture they grew up with, and, but funny enough, uh, they, at first, they attracted women, women audience, because, because that there's, oh, these men are so intelligent, they're so, you know, eloquent, and also they're so masculine. This is what we want,
1: you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is like a dream come true for straight women. <laughs>
0: it was, you know, it's irony. So they get comments like, oh, such a waste, you know, even though it doesn't sound good to them, but but it's it's almost like a compliment, you know? I wish there were more men like you, but straight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, all right. So it's funny because in a lot of, you know, you um, know, uh, uh, um uh romantic comedies or whatever you know you have this idea of um straight women who are in many ways attracted to gay men because um, again this is on a sort of stereotypical level that the, the gay men love fashion and 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 um, fine dining and and whatever and then the straight women are like yes this is just the kind of men I'd love to, to to go to a museum with go to a concert with but oh oops you know they're they're gay you know and they're not sexually attracted to me but you're saying that that these, um, gay, uh, uh, um, gay rappers are, in a sense, even more perfect, quote-unquote, for straight women because they're so masculine. They're very, you know, strong, tough, you know, guys
0: they're, they're, are, to be gay. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're well-educated um, but also they come from black culture, you know, they, they don't come from like a, a, a rich class background. They're smart, they, they're well-versed in, you know, feminist theories and <laughs> So they, you know, they, they have both sides, and the women's like, oh, you know what? They're so sophisticated. They understand women. They understand our struggles, and they're also masculine. You know, they 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 just they behave like every other every other straight straight man. It's <laughs> it's like a dream come true. <laughs> like I actually, to to be honest, there was a story because when I when I was doing my uh, research, I think two years ago in, in Phoenix, uh, I met a friend, and he was uh, telling me stories because he's like six seven. Very tall, very handsome, like, you know, guy. And he said he was with one of his ex-boyfriends uh, uh, in Atlanta in one of the very popular gay bars. And they were, like, those long queues. It was a busy night. So they're waiting outside. And he said this. I was like, you, 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 you're kidding me. But he said two women, they were driving in, in a car, and they stopped because they saw these two guys, a very handsome, very tall, you know, <laughs> It jumped out because they because they obviously the locals they know the bar most of it's a public gay bar and they jumped up the car they, they stopped and jumped up the car and say oh you can't it can't be you anyone anyone in the in the in this queue could be gay but not not you too <laughs> it's, it's it's to that extent you know I mean, this is like I know it's it's like a anecdote but <laughs> sure they are two they two uh, uh
1: um um. Uh, macho or, or um, masculine to to actually be gay, according to to these women who who yeah, uh, like sold again, them. they
0: them. At least we jump off the car, and say no, you can't be you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, wow, that really is saying something. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right right. Let Let me ask you something. Um, again, just to kind of set the stage for for listeners. Um, historically, what has been the relationship between black representations and homosexuality in America?
0: Well, it's always being suppressed. Um, you know, they, they actually, black people explore sexuality very openly if you look at the Harlem Renaissance. You know, the writers, uh, like Countee Cullen, uh, uh, even um, Rachel Bruce Nugent, and um, uh, Claude Marquis, you know, these, these pioneers of Harlem Renaissance, the, you know, the pioneers of, of modern black literature, uh, they were all gay. You know, they, they were exploring sexuality. They, they had, um, you know, sort of house parties where people can just embrace anyone they want in Harlem. You know, if you look at the history itself. This um, is not the 1930s. Yeah, 30s and 40s, yeah. There was this time of W.E.B. Bois and his daughter married Conte Cullen and did, discovered that the poet was gay. <laughs> I had to divorce it, you know, and and W. E. Duas, uh, hated. Well, not, okay, that's a strong word, but he he, he sort of I would say slightly castized, um Claude for his novel because it was full of sex. Yeah, you because know? he didn't like it. It's like, why do you write, why do you only write about sex? <laughs> you know? there, there there was uh, you know, sexual fluidity. Experiment experiment with you know. Uh, uh, Sex itself, you know, they they had a lot of that, but it's it's always sort of undercover. And you know, once you leave that space, you're not supposed to talk about it. You know, no. so it's not necessarily like they, they never had a relationship, but they always had a relationship. It's just that it's it's even suppressed within their own community, they don't really talk about it. They know it, more or less, but then don't they don't talk about it. Um, you know, until sort of like James Baldwin, who really exposed that, you know, through his novels another country giovanni's room and also um, just about my head his last novel he really explored uh what was going on you know in holland back then and uh you know even incest the sex within church choir you know these people and how it was always sexualized that space um and also the pain you know the church sort of in black especially black church sort of inflicted as much as as much as liberation they they provided for for black people you know how you you can uh, uh, um, sort of seek uh, peace and comfort within that space, you know, uh, versus how you sort of go outside, you know, go into the society where you receive racism and oppression, blah, blah, and, you know, and be like the walking suspect. You know, people always suspect if you're a black man, you're just a culprit of something. There's always something to blame um, a a black man for. So the space was, you know, supposedly safe and also, like a, a also like a, like a retreat, but at the same time, it, in, because the the religious part it really sort of inflicted pain and uh, self like self suppression when it comes to sexuality onto um, you know a lot of black people. So he really explored that. Um, yeah, so the historical relationship is, is very complicated, but also uh, not widely talked about
1: right and so you you talk in the book about how as you say that the that the christianity uh, on the one hand was very supportive of the formation of black identity uh by giving uh um black people a a religious home and a strong um kind of uh affirmation community and an affirmation of their their personhood you know in in a deeply racist uh, society and at the same time it was also in some ways limiting of their identity especially in terms of homosexuality
0: yeah yeah totally because i think they they uh when you know when black people started fully practice uh, christianity on their own, oh, not sort of guided by you know a white page a white pastor is that somehow they i don't know i don't I'm not quite sure if that's the case, but I, you know, based on my research, is that uh, somehow, and also my conversation with, um, uh, you know, some black ex pastors, (laughs) and who eventually came out and left the church, is that um, it's very orthodox the way they they wanted to practice Christianity. I think you should know that you probably know that much better than I do. You know, it's like it's very orthodox. They 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 really thought maybe that's that's where um, you know the salvation is for all of their pains for all, for all of their suffering, um, you know, but but then you have to abide by these rules in order to achieve that salvation, sort of, yeah.
1: And one of the rules was a, a strong opposition to any kind of uh, uh, a homosexual expression or activity.
0: Yeah, like a lot of that, you know, uh, not just promiscuity, even though the church is, you know, people who go to church pretty promiscuous thing, by historical record and all the data. Because um, a friend of mine, he did a, 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 well, he's a psychologist, but he did research on, you know, Southern Baptist churches and how the churches is very sexualized. And, you know, people would go there looking for sex to have sex. Wow. yeah <laughs> It, it's and he asked how these pastors. He interviewed all these pastors about how, you know, pastors say they will be like women, uh, come in and basically want to have sex with them.
1: Wow, this seems very unlikely. This Southern uh, uh, um, um, Baptists are very sort of a, a socially conservative uh, um, community, a very strict kind yeah. of socially uh, conservative.
0: Yeah, I, I, but behind closed doors, <laughs> it might be, yeah. That's something like, it, it was so, it was so shocking. <laughs>
1: yeah, very, very shocking indeed. Um, so, so as, as you described in your book, on the one hand, there's a lot of repression of homosexuality uh, within the, within the, the black community because of the influence of the black churches. And at the same time, there's the influence of black nationalism, um, on homosexuality, um, how is homosexuality viewed by Black nationalists? Well, uh,
0: that's like a that's actually a weird uh, causation. I, you know, I was I, when I was doing this this project, I, I looked everywhere because um, part of the inspiration. I mean, within this country, in within USA, the nationalist uh, Black nationalists sort of uh, began with David Walker, who was a rebel. Was a rebel but then you know, he killed white people and then you know he was infuriated because of the way he was treated and um he eventually just killed people and they killed him and it was oh, it was over I mentioned that in the book uh but that set out a trend is that you know should black people actually stay with white people should they just be on their own be you know be um that's the first sort of I wouldn't say uh, revelation but like sort of like a Experimenting thoughts, um, but there's there's also Fanon, because in Fanon's book,
1: F- uh, Fanan?
0: yes, Fanan. in his book um, uh, Black Mask, you know, uh, Black uh, Black Skin, uh, Black Mask, White, Black <laughs> White Mask, uh, he theorized. You know, he was a trained as uh, psychoanalyst, and he theorized that at least partially. The kind of racism emerged out of uh, white people's suppressed desires, and he he basically called you know in his book that uh, the the, super, the the white man is a is a is a um, sort of self suppressed homosexual. So the, and the, I, I also mentioned in the book precisely how he thought that that repressed desire was projected onto black people and um, through cruelty, through violence. Um, And also the black um, sort of art movements with Amir Baraka, for instance, he would say that, you know, the white society, white culture itself, they train every man to be a faggot.
1: And Amir Baraka is a black man in 1960s, 70s, uh, in 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 Newark or um uh uh, uh in in uh, okay and he's a a, a strong black nationalist uh, figure, right? Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. I mean, they, you know, within that that camp, they had you know disagreements, different uh, ideas. But the separatist ideas all has always been there. You know, through through him, and even Stokely Carmichael, or some people call him Kwame Ture because he changed his name, and then he moved to Ghana. A,
1: a founder of. Uh, 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 also a, straw, black, a, a the, famous the, uh
0: the black power movement yes in
1: the yes, 1970s so... 60s yeah, 70s yeah. in america
0: lo- yeah a lot of and um, you know he because he uh, i think he he was supposed to go to harvard the harvard gave him a scholarship he was a very um sort of eloquent speaker and he he you know became political conscious when he, when he was like a teenager or something but he rejected that offer and he went to Howard uh, with the scholarship given by the Catholic Church. Surprisingly, <laughs> so um, let's not go there. <laughs> but but you can you can see how religion is, has infiltrated you know the black population everywhere in the world if you if you really have to dig deep. But uh, going back to the separatist or the black nationalists, including the Nation of Islam, the Nation of Islam was sort of the result of. Of the failed nationalist black nationalist movement so they had this sort of like a a a, a, a self-sufficient almost like a autarky within the society of uh, like a group of people living or self-sufficient community almost be like the Mormons if you really have to you know almost like because they don't marry out they they stay in their group you know, they they really, you know they have their own businesses they have their own sort of production lines, for food, for clothes, and stuff like that. So this is, you know, um, but that's sort of cultural symbolism, eventually, that's like a compromise. But with homosexuality, that, because they, they view the homosexuality as something that white people will use to infiltrate the uh, black community, and eventually will corrupt black men, will make them soft and weak. So it's almost like a virus. But the idea, I thought, perhaps maybe it came from Fanon, because Fanon didn't say that. But he just said that, you know, how the white man was a self-repressed uh, homosexual and who projected you know, his repressed uh, energy onto the black man or black people in general through violence and cruelty and by enslaving them. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window.
1: of the black nationalists, they viewed homosexuality as essentially a kind of white plot, you know, to 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 subvert and ultimately destroy the powerful black uh, uh, men. Um, and um, how did James Baldwin, the the great uh, a nov- black uh, um, um, a, a gay novelist, respond to these attacks on homosexuality from? you know, uh, uh uh thinkers within the black community itself.
0: Um that's also quite divided because uh, for him he he's always I mean based on my understanding of his novel and also his you know I've watched almost all all his interviews um you could find on YouTube and and also audio interviews, audio recordings. Um he I I I feel like you know he thought uh, he thought of sexuality as where the solution to, to all this sort of interracial conflicts, um, based where whatever, you know, oppressions people experience in this country, he probably thought that sexuality could offer like a, a pathway to, to the solution, I wouldn't say solution, but, or abs- I wouldn't say absolution either, but he thought sexuality is somewhere uh people can resolve their issues, through which they can re- resolve their issues. Um not at a societal level, but perhaps at a personal level. You know, that's part of the the theme of of um, another country when he wrote that. And um and he expelled you know, yeah, another country, yeah, North, when he wrote it, you know, how we, and we only can we, uh, only, uh, you know, uh, the study, if only can we uh, resolve our issues at a personal level, can we slowly and but steadily resolve issues at a societal level. But but he thought, you know, sexuality was, because, because sexuality is inevitable, and especially interracial uh, desire, you know, how um, him and Alfred Cleaver had a long standing, arg- like a series of long standing arguments, because Cleaver uh, personally liked, white women, but he wanted to deter that desire. He literally said in you know in his in his writing, he said, How can I deter my desire? How can I sort of um, postpone it, if not forever? Whereas Baldwin says, like, but well, there's nothing wrong with this. You know, you just have to I mean the, the funny thing that when when Cleveland was on trial and his his lawyer was a white woman and who was his ex-lover, <laughs> <laughs> it's very odd. <laughs> um it's a very it's very odd.
1: I know but, and andrews Cleaver was uh, was one of the founders of the Black Panther, the, Party. The Black yeah. Panther Party. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. yeah so so it, it was you know, there's irony there. But um but Baldwin says, well, you know, perhaps we should in, embrace each other's flaws and each other's um uh, you know, so called sinful desires and explore on that perhaps Will fight something, and that's why he, he, uh, you know, figuratively explored them in his novels, and perhaps through his own experience um, in living in the states and also in, particularly in Paris, uh, where, you know, homosexuality was decriminalized uh, right after the the enlightenment, uh, Sorry, the the French Revolution. Yeah, wow. France, uh, yeah, France decriminalized. I think officially in
1: 1791. Wow, that's that. That's quite early uh, for, for many, um, you know, many, many uh, modern governments. Um, um, uh, so you mentioned before the Nation of Islam, and I'm wondering what role did the Nation of Islam, and especially Louis Farrakhan, the kind of fiery and controversial uh, um, leader uh, of the Nation of Islam, what role did they play in, uh, um, in the development of hip hop?
0: Well, um, because Lois Farrakhan, he saw the anger of, you know, uh, the mass urban uh, black youth in terms of um, police brutality, in terms of, you know, sort of <clears throat> just general societal treatment of them because they were, you know, front up and looked down upon, and they're going to uh, poor neighborhoods. They don't have the same opportunities and education as other, you know, other their white counterparts. So there was this intense frustration and, uh, with, with the frustration, it came hip hop music because it became the medium through which they can express themselves. It's, it's, it's a calling for help, you know, even though they are vending, but it's still, it's probably more, more than anything else. It's a calling for help. And he really, really harnessed that energy for his own, for his own political gain, obviously, but he really harnessed that energy. And um, he somehow masterly sort of reconfigured God into some sort of vindic- vindictive uh, 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 supernatural being, and you know, and sort of intensified and worsened their anger. And hip hop become, and that's why a lot of rappers uh, back in the '80s, the you know, so-called conscious rappers, a lot of them, they were members of the Nation of Islam. Whether or not they were accepted, but they perceived themselves as members of you know, they perceived you know Louis Louis Falken as their teacher. Who is very uh, uh, flamboyant by the way. <laughs> 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 you know, if you ever if you ever see him uh, uh, speak, you know, giving a public speech or an interview, and who was a uh, well once upon a time, he was a virtuoso violinist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Life is very complicated. Um I, I'm wondering if you could give some examples of of well known uh, rappers from the 1980s and on, um, who th- saw themselves as uh, members of the Nation of Islam, and also if you could give examples of how the Nation of Islam is represented in hip hop
0: lyrics itself. Oh, they were you know they were referenced, uh, sort of either explicitly or implicitly in, in rap lyrics. Uh, a lot of these um, groups, like The Tribe Called Quest, um, even some people from Wu-Tang Clan, these, uh, and also um, the, uh, what is it? Um, suddenly I can't think of the name. Um, the, 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 the group that um, Ice Cube was formerly involved with Dr. Dre. Um, gosh, I suddenly, I suddenly forgot the name. Uh, they actually had a very successful movie. Uh, out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. Yeah, so I, yeah yeah that's that's uh, that, that that group. Um, what's his name? I suddenly oh NWA. Sorry, NWA. Yeah, so uh, they they all you know they they if they could they would uh, attend uh, speeches or, or um, sermons by Louis Farrakhan. And also, there's another um, sort of similar organization. It's not as famous, not as big as as uh, Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. So they also have alliances with these, um, yeah. But I don't know if the alliances or if they what about no national alliances, but the involvement in this British organization ever lasted. That I don't know. But in the eighties, they were very active, and when, when they were interviewed, you know, uh, on TV, on television, or or. Um, when they were talk, talking about their lyrics, they often would say uh, how they were inspired by Louis Farrakhan's teaching and his um, and his ideas.
1: And yeah. do the teachings or ideas ever show up explicitly in the lyrics of the rappers that you just mentioned?
0: Not explicitly, because you know it, it, you have to think about the lyrics artistically how you could you could um, say it because. It's more about um, the composition itself. Like, you know, does the work go with the, with the beat? Does it rhyme? You know, because it's. Um, but the influence is definitely there. And how Lois, Lois Farrakhan, he always scapegoated uh, almost everything. If there's some political uh, uh, crisis happening in America, he'll say, oh, because of gays, because of homosexuality, you know, uh, because of. It's it's the yo yo scapegoating. You know, people do that. All the, like leaders all over the world do that, uh, especially in Africa. You know, that's almost almost also a technique of political distraction. So you you sort of, uh, draw your your listeners' attention from the real issues to focus on something like homosexuality, and uh, yeah.
1: And, and does that show up in the lyrics? This attack against homosexuality in the lyrics of the rap music.
0: Yeah, but- they wouldn't say it's directly a message from you know the Nation of Islam, obviously, but you could say you know like I said the teachings the the, the reflection of teachings were definitely in the lyrics, they uh, and attacks as well. But you know whether the lyrics uh, present a direct causal link between the teaching and the uh, and and the uh, 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 sort of homophobic attacks in the lyrics, that is not necessarily. I mean that's not always conspicuous, but. Given the interviews and how they said were inspired by Louis Farquhar, you know, they agree with his ideas, and sure, there's definitely a relationship there. All
1: right. And um, you mentioned in the book that there was um, the, a black nationalist effort to claim that, hom- uh, that uh, Africa was a homosexual free place before white people, before the colonists came to Africa. Um, and that, and that, in fact, um, there's this idea that 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 homosexuality was imported to Africa by white colonists, um, and that that uh, these um, black nationalists argue that in fact there's no word in any African language to describe same-sex behavior. Is this true?
0: Well, yeah, yeah, they did. They did say that. And, no, no, no. And
1: no but I'm saying, is the claim true? No, no, no <laughs> certainly not. Uh,
0: no, that because um, writing my second book, which is, which really discuss, which really discusses, uh, you know, these sort of pre colonial cultural practices that involve homosexuality. Obviously, it's different from our modern sense of homosexuality, uh, but it does involve a lot of their practice do involve same um, sex intimacy. Um, some do involve like anal sex, or some like thigh sex, um, but they were ritualized and also exceptionalized. But certainly, this uh, when when they say that there was no homosexuality in Africa before uh, you know Europeans went there, that's certainly not true. That's certainly not true. And also, uh, most African languages have words um, that describe either directly or um, by reference or sort of association. About uh, homosexual behavior, definitely, yeah. Well, obviously, more, you know, there were more words, far more words that describe uh, male same-sex practices than than female ones, but they do exist, yeah.
1: Right, and so now that we have uh, uh, um, some sense of the attitude of. The sort of mainstream hip hop towards homosexuality and some of the reasons for why that is the case. Um, could you tell us about homo hop? what is homo hop and who are some artists who who represent
0: well, uh, it? Uh, it was a, I think that's that term is kind of short-lived because um, even if you, you know, even if you uh, but I put it there because that's how these rappers when they first came out when they first sort of uh, you know group themselves and to perform in sort of public venues, like in a bar, in a gay bar, whether they uh, gay bar or not, but you know, in, in um, black neighbourhoods when they start performing, especially in Oakland, uh, they they came up with a term that's sort of subversive. It sends the message. But now uh, I think a lot of them just use the like queer hip-hop. You know, it's, it's less, uh, it's more inclusive. Well, it's not, I wouldn't say it's more inclusive. It's just that it... Uh, it's you know it's sort of in line with what the public culture, what what queer culture now is about. So they use that that term. You know? um, well, originally they just want to sort of show that they are people who are not straight and who can still do hip hop, if not better than you know some of these mainstream rappers. It's really about it's really about putting themselves up and using a term, um, which also addresses their key difference. You know, they they want to address. Uh, their sexuality because sometimes you, know, you always hear the argument say but why why do you have to say you are gay? you can just you can just perform you, know? you can just like like Lucifer Andrews. <laughs> you can just perform but but if you ever uh, uh, understand Los Vandris's struggle you've got to understand that a lot of his music was about that he was suppressing his desires and, you know why he sang the way he sang um, so clearly uh these rappers they 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 don't want that
1: right and are, could you give us uh, some names of uh, rappers who are openly gay
0: like uh, uh, Timmy T West um, there's um, Juba Lamka uh, uh, also last offense but that's his stage name. you know I don't know what his real name is <laughs> uh, and there's also um, Cavan chaos. I think he lives in Minnesota. Yeah, Uh, it's just a few few of them. Um, The others who sort of did it for a period of time, like uh, Lester Green, but now he's mostly an actor. Uh, And it's interesting that they also had, you know, when they were rapping, it's really like their hobby, but they really put a lot of energy and a lot of time in it. Um, Because they had all different kinds of jobs. Sometimes they work for charities. They, I think Lester was a bus driver uh, in New York. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then they, they all have different kinds of jobs, but they, they also put out music and they, um you know, they, they go and host concerts or spoken poetry concerts as well.
1: Right. Yes. And to what extent is masculinity specifically represented among the gay rappers that you look at?
0: That's their main thing. That's one of their main, uh, uh, I guess, like I said earlier, like in you know, the lack of representation, you know, how, uh, Gay men were viewed as feminine, in sort of stereotypically, and and they want to say, you know, you can be gay and masculine too. There's nothing wrong with that. And also, you can you can you can rap, and they rap about how you know they want to uh, uh, chase after a guy, you know, sort of, uh, and in a very masculine way. It's, it sounds very strange, but um, you know, but to, to you know to add to our sort of. What they call like straight trained thinking, you know, <laughs> very strange. Because you know how, uh because they talk about how um sometimes they they get asked by even friends and say, you know, so if you were in a gay relationship, so who's the who's the woman, who's the girl in the relationship? But they'll say there's no girl in the relationship. So you know, but people, but that's the thing. It's it's almost um, a way of also educating the the audience who ever listen to the music and. Yeah, masculinity is a big thing, and they still, they still, um, I think they still talk about that. You know, even though now they don't really rap, I think they just stop, but they they do the activism work. Um, they do still do spoken poetry a lot. Yeah.
1: All right. Are, are there a, um, gay black historical figures that gay rappers take inspiration from and yeah. invoke uh, in their music?
0: Uh, James Baldwin, for one. Audre Lorde. Um, and particularly by Boston, that's a very, very important figure. And it's also been buried for so long. And he was the, mentor. the, the, the,
1: the, the um, uh, right-hand man to, to, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King.
0: Yes. And actually he's a mentor because he taught, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, you know, the techniques of civil disobedience and he organized the minimum March in DC. And, you know, the networks basically he passed on to, to uh, MLK. So because he knew that he couldn't be the, the face of this movement, even though he cultivated movement way before uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. joined the movement. You know, he, was, he was there a long time, long time ago, and he was arrested 24 times <laughs> for his activist work. So you can imagine. Um, and he was openly gay. And that's the biggest thing is that, uh, like, you know, when I interview these rappers, they said uh, a lot of times they felt as though they want to know these people. They really do because they are the people they could look up to and feel that uh, there's a connection, there's, there's um, sort of heritage and almost lineage and sort of justify, not justify, well, kind of justify and just solidifies their own existence they need that you know? I mean it, it's almost a bit like an, ancestry worship but I mean it's not it's not that but it's like how when you know where you come from and there are people like you before it provides you with comfort with peace and also uh, it solidifies your your sense of being your 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 identity self and uh, so not until and that's a big thing because why was 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 this almost a uh, 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 ideal figure you no, know, he was um, the What do you call like the what Americans? What do Americans use like the number one in your high school? The Venedictorian, something like that. Yeah. No, he. You know, and he was the the um, uh, what do you call it? The captain of of his school's fo- uh, football team, and he was well versed in medieval poetry. <laughs> yeah. A real
1: Renaissance man.
0: Yeah, like yeah, yes, he was called a Renaissance man and a dandy because he he knew how to dress. He, um, and he debated so many uh figures, lead, leaders from the separatist, the nationalist uh camp like Malcolm X before he left uh Nation of Islam. Because he, he changed significantly after he left, but then he was soon assassinated afterwards. Um and he debated uh Sokley Carmichael commentary, yeah, as well. Um because you know he represented this integrationist uh, camp,
1: as Dr. King, as was famously embodied by Dr. King.
0: Yeah, in fact, I think the idea was sort of concretized for Dr. King through Fire Boston, and he really saw you know, that we we can do this, and we really have to unite every everyone in this country possible that they support our our cause. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so but this figure, this so this this important figure was so buried in history. And that's I think that's that's why they talk about him in, in the mix so much. Um because he he almost paved the way for this. And there's a documentary if you can if you can ever uh, get your hands on, it's called Brother Outsider. It's really good, it's about him. it's Bob it's really it's very really good. Yeah. And right. so right. this is and um I'm curious,
1: um could you um uh uh share with our listeners maybe just a, a few lines from uh a one or two of the songs of the um openly gay rappers that you explore in your book just to, to give listeners a little sense of um of of the the, the flavor, the the texture of these songs.
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, um, thank gosh, it's been, it's been years. For years. Um, um, I don't mean to put you on the
1: spot. And I I understand that uh, it's different. You know, this is not sort of poetry that was just uh, uh, written, uh, that was, you know, uh, uh written to be to be uh, read with uh, you know your eyes these are, are are lyrics in a song in a rap song um with music and yeah so of instance, course it's different.
0: Uh, yeah so first in a song called F words um so uh it goes I think that's that's less agreeing. It says Leviticus faggots uh, got to spell it discreetly so we don't get banned on BET. But the truth of the matter is we didn't clarify my people want to ban this they must want to ban me not my activism, my service and my ability I hate to say love the singer, love the sinner you are sinning for judging me yeah because I think that was very clever this said because why, why why I chose this, this particular uh, excerpt is because recently Little Martin ex sort of mocked BT for not nominating him. An award because he's gay, you know, and this is still you see this they voted sound like in the early two thousands, and this is still happening.
1: Right. So I think it, th- in addition, of course, to the issue of homosexuality. In in rap music, I think that this excerpt also highlights uh, an important theme in your book, which is the way that c- the commercialization of the music puts all kinds of constraints on the type of music that could be produced for the mass audience.
0: Yeah, because they, you know, they need, uh, uh, like I said, you know, like the like uh, GoPro they need uh, images that the mass audience are familiar with. You know, they, they, they can instantly make a connection with it in order to to sell, to 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 garner uh, ratings and to um, to basically you know have more clicks on YouTube, have more views on YouTube. Where when you put something that's out of the ordinary thinking, out of the sort of inertial uh, 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 sort of way of thinking, people don't want to have time to process that. The reason the you know, psychologist say the reason people adopt uh, people adopt uh, stereotypes very quickly because it, it helps them not to think.
1: Right. They just use they use their preconceived notion to resolve whatever question they have in the moment. They don't have to actually sit down and work it all out for themselves.
0: Yeah, that's you know, that's also Ardono's critique of pop and music in general, is that it's pre-digest. You know, it, it's, yeah, it's pretty digested it's like it, you, like the lyrics you know the, 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 the format, the structure of the song it, it, it's not like listening to a Beethoven sonata and you have to sit there for like 20 25 minutes to go through all three movements <laughs> you know trying to figure out what is this about but popular music is very straightforward it's consumer products you know they're produced to consume quickly consume quickly. Um,
1: Right. And uh, speaking of consumption, how have the gay rappers you study been received by the black
0: community? Uh, Well, initially not too well, based on their their, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, what they told me, based on what they told me. But I think recently they've been uh, more not necessarily through their music, but through their activism. They're more uh, known you know, by a lot of black people and also how they, they're creating sort of like a safe space. Not safe space, but a more accepting and more inclusive space it's being created through their music and through their work. So it's not necessarily how the music itself will definitely will immediately have an impact, therefore suddenly people uh uh you know change either inside or outside the community. It's more about how the lasting impact and how through their own being, their own living experiences, people could be influenced and slowly, but surely. That's, I think that's the the way I look at it. Um, and also you have now the mainstream artists, you know, I think I mentioned about how Frank Ocean came out and that was like a shock. Uh, and then now we have Little Mouse X who basically did whatever uh, these rappers couldn't achieve before because they couldn't make it into mainstream, but they didn't want to either, because that would change them, because the mainstream would put so much constraints on their uh, artistic creation, and, on their own you know, ability to, to tell the story. Uh, but I think still, uh, you know, some of them, they, they said they had friends who were signed by some major labels, but like a sub-branch. Still, uh, I also mentioned the book, uh, those kind of fit, the hysterical image of, of a gay man, and all, especially a, a black gay man. And also what they talk about in, in their music, it's about partying, it's about uh, boy conflicts, you know, about jealousy. These things that like pre-digested stuff versus political and um, uh, like historical, re- revealing historical stuff through, <laughs> through, through rap lyrics. So this is, this is too much because well, a lot of people, they might like the sound, but they're thinking, who's this guy they're, they're talking about in the sound? They have to basically, you know, Google it. Right, who's Barry Rustin, right? Exactly. And uh, yeah, speaking of whom, when I went to uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, memorial in Atlanta, there was a huge sort of like a, we a, call like a, a mural? Not a mural, like a, a huge photo, like a giant photo uh, of when he gave the I Have Freedom speech in D.C., and there were people standing behind him you know i think, I think four men or well, four yeah Baya Watson was there but he was the only one not named in the photo
1: oh wow wow so yeah. there's still a kind of silencing or 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 not kind of drawing attention to him um well um we, that definitely uh gives us a lot to think about we have to leave it here for today um, thank you so much for taking the time to share your thoughts with us.
0: Uh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much.
1: That concludes our program. Thanks for listening and have a great day.